0: So
1: I feel that the audience probably does not know that when I went to college, I actually thought that I was going to go to law school and I wanted to be an environmental lawyer and practice environmental law in terms of like city zoning and stuff. So I wanted to do stuff about environmental injustice, particularly here in San Francisco, because um, the Bayview Hunters Point neighborhood has always had like really high rates of carcinogens and shit in their water and like all sorts of crazy stuff that the city never cleaned up because that's like a brown and black population so that led me to major in political science and then my career went on at Skidboard and I um, had to take a bunch of classes that I hated and ended up majoring in English and minoring in political science so these are some topics that are like very near and dear to my heart and my good friend Willow well, you can kick it off, sweetie. Introduce yourself.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, it's so funny, Olivia. We, yeah, we just have, like, similar interests and passions, but um, when I went to school in Redlands, California, I had no idea what I wanted to study, but I was obsessed with journalism um, and became heavily involved in the newspaper and Really wanted to, um, you know, by the end of my freshman year, I was like, shit, like, I love media and journalism and reporting, but I went to a school that, like, doesn't have that major. Um, meanwhile, I was also taking a bunch of English classes just because I had like, room in my schedule um, and didn't think I wanted to major in English, but ended up being an English major, which honestly <laughs> was, like, so awesome. Um, and then I also majored in public policy, um, which allowed me to like, kind of like pick a focus. So I was able to major in public policy with, um, an emphasis where in like media and political journalism. And then I also had a minor in political science, which was kind of this bait, like built into the public policy major. I kind of just had it pretty much by the time I was done with my major anyways, um, so we pretty much studied the exact same thing. Fabulous. Um, I... yeah, so we actually took a
1: media and literature class together. Or, like, what is it? Like, media and public policy. We we went abroad together in Paris, which is how we met. And yeah. we were in that class together. So, I don't know. Yeah, it was interesting. Also, Are we, we too- learned a lot about the EU, which was cool. Because I didn't really know anything about the EU before, before that experience.
0: When we studied abroad, I took mostly... Um, like, media and politics classes. Like, there was a lot of hybrid classes in, in our program, um, which was really cool. And also to kind of get a more um, holistic lens and, you know, hear things from a different perspective that, frankly, you you're not really taught in the American classroom. Um, and just, like, different anecdotes, like, you know, learning about Charlie Hebdo from the French perspective instead of the American perspective was, you know, a good, a good learning lesson.
1: Absolutely, and I think also learning about political systems that aren't two-party systems was really eye-opening because I obviously, like, knew about the two-party system from the American perspective, but I love Mm -hmm. when Europeans dunk on the two-party system. I'm like, yeah, girl.
0: (laughs) I actually had a nightmare last night where we had a third party introduced (laughs) into the 2020 election, and it was, like, a party full of, like, just, like creepy scary mean people which is odd because that's kind of already exists <laughs> um but it was like part- <laughs> it was like literally like the party of like villains um and Interesting. yeah I woke up and then yeah I can't even remember they were spying on me I was it was a bizarre one
1: so you're ready to talk because our <laughs> topic today is the upcoming election
0: it's really stressful
1: so I think that we should just start with like do you think like he's gonna win again (laughs) um
0: I really don't know I really and truly don't know I mean Biden is ahead um in almost every poll yeah. Um, there I was actually re- I was talking about this with my boss there's this one poll that was apparently the only poll in 2016 that got it exactly right or like pretty much as close as, as any other poll had gotten and it okay. came out of USC and this poll has Biden with a narrower lead
1: sure. um,
0: than the other polls do but still I think it's like a five uh, several points he has several points on him so, I mean, I don't know. I I think that it's really going to be close. I think it's going to come down to, like, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and Florida
1: Michigan. and
0: Michigan. And I think Pennsylvania support for Biden is um, – I mean, Pennsylvania still has Biden up, but by a narrow margin – and that margin is shrinking, and the Republicans are registering way like seven times as many Republicans to vote as Democrats are registering Democrats to vote in Pennsylvania. And well, we can kiss this one goodbye. That's a really scary stat to me, because um,
1: that means I, to me that means young people and first-time voters.
0: Uh, yeah, I, or I mean, or it's just like the Rust Belt approach, and they're trying to um really like persuade the union folks and the folks who rely on the energy in, industry and fracking for their jobs you know to turn the other way yeah. um, by scare yeah. tactics which by the way Biden does um has no plans to repeal fracking and that's a different issue but frankly we're gonna have
1: that though that's (laughs) for me that's huge for me as I'm living in a state that is currently burning to the burning to the ground babe we're just I honestly like I have not gone outside in like a week and I went out of town over the weekend so that I could escape the smoke like it's bad yeah. So, I mean, energy issues are really huge for me, and I know that there's no, like, quote, Green New Deal on Biden's platform, which is, like, a huge fucking problem, but I did read, like, a couple of articles about how AOC and, and Bernie are, like, supposedly helping him with his, like, efficiency plan, which is, like, huge, I think.
0: Yeah, they're totally, like, they're totally brought on as advisors and sponsors, and, I mean, one thing that I think Biden's doing a really good job of is engaging people and all you know, crevices of the voter base. Right. Like he's, I mean, honestly, yeah, I wish that he, I wish that he was more strict on environmental policies, but I honestly really understand the reasons that he is holding back from that. I think that it's quite smart of him to get AOC and Bernie aboard to get, you know, you know, to get their consultation Um, I also think it's smart of him to, like,
1: have Republicans on um, the DNC and explain. Yeah, yeah. So I want to talk about that and explore our takes on the DNC because uh, I would like to just preface this podcast by, like, saying, like, I don't like Joe Biden. And he was, like, the last (laughs) fucking person that I ever wanted to vote for in this election. But... The number of, like, leftist people in our generation who were like, you can't make me vote for Joe Biden. Voting is now pointless. Like, blah, 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 blah. We need to burn the system to the ground. Like, okay, like, yes. Like, I agree with all of that to an extent. But, like, those people to me are, like, just so living in a bubble and so insanely privileged that they can just, like, sit in their parents' house and, like, tweet this shit. Like... Do you know what I mean? Like like I know multiple people who are gonna be like deported, lose their marriage rights, like lose their health care if we get another four years of Trump. So it's very rich of people to be like, No, fuck that, I'm not voting, you know?
0: Yeah, I frankly have no patience or tolerance for those people whatsoever. (laughs) Yeah, me neither. It's um, sad
1: because I've had conversations with people that I think are, like, smart, that are my friends, that, like, have said these types of things. And I'm like, actually, guys, no.
0: Okay, so here is my argument or hope, I suppose. Um, I, like, I have a pretty liberal circle. And I have yet to really hear that argument much um Mm -mm -mm -mm. and i i've seen it and i've seen concern about it and i honestly don't even really appreciate the memes that are like hold your nose and do it because i I just don't think that's the right rhetoric for us to be using i think we all have to rally behind him um but yeah anywho um no I i agree i don't see it very often um, and I do have friends and I'm sure you have in your circles, probably, I mean, being in San Francisco, you're kind of the, like most liberal Mecca. So you probably Absolutely. see it more than most, but that said,
1: went to frankly,
0: that said, I'm hoping that the like Bernie bro anti Biden phenomenon just doesn't really exist at the scale that we think it exists. Like I'm thinking about, 2016 and how none of us knew trump was going to win like not in our wildest dreams did we ever think that was going to be a possibility so i'm and i think it's largely because of the people that we you know surrounded ourselves with actually just being a smaller fraction of the population than we expect them to be i think that the bernie bro anti-biden phenomenon is a like obviously hugely more small portion of the population than like the Hillary phenomenon was, totally. and yet I'm still barely seeing it. So I just hope that it's kind of a non-problem, but also who knows? I mean, if this election it was any, as close as it was, you know, in last election, which I think we all kind of are anticipating it to be, every vote matters. So fuck you, frankly, if you don't vote.
1: Oh yeah, no. Fuck <laughs> you if you're part of like a privile- privileged like majority community who does who does not experience voter security, I just fucking don't cast that ballot. Like Right. What what were you doing? Truly. Yeah.
0: I mean, if you consider yourself to be too progressive to like literally save lives of all of the marginalized communities that will be honestly ruined by another Four years of Trump, then like you're just just as hypocritical as the rest of them. I, I mean,
1: completely agree. Also, also, okay, sorry. Continue. I just kind of think everyone needs to stop
0: shitting on Biden. He doesn't have a perfect record. He's not as progressive as he could be. That's for sure. But I just think that like he's super experienced. He's bringing us the most progressive ballot and the most, or sorry, the most progressive like campaign platform anyone has ever seen, like, in U.S. history. I mean, he's advocating for health care. He's ad- advocating for, like, equal education opportunities. He's advocating to help, you know, um, lessen college debt. Like, he he's just, he's doing a lesser, a, a more, um, I guess, subdued version of all the things that we love in, in Lizzie you know and like America's just not ready for that yet apparently and I just think Brave. that we have to accept that for what it is not be greedy you know the whole history with sexual assault really scares me um but I think that his competition is an actual rapist and child molester um multiple times over so I just like really don't see how there's any comparison
1: Yeah, Uh, yes. And I also feel that all of the Bernie bro, like I'm not voting arguments that I've seen, I'm not going to like, I'll just generalize because it's obviously not everybody, but I've seen a lot of like Bernie bro voter, like I'm not voting arguments from people who like pretty much exclusively get their news from like millennial Twitter and like just like don't know anything. Like I had someone verbatim be like, Biden's like 1% better than Trump, like barely. And I was like, Yeah. I was like, that's not a person that's like read anything, like let alone Biden's platform,
0: you know? Are are these like in person conversations you're having with like real humans you're friends with? Or is this shit you're Uh, seeing on like your Instagram
1: feed? A, a little bit of both, a little bit of both, for sure. I think okay. we to stay off Twitter. I mean, I think we all do, you know?
0: Yeah, Twitter's a scary place. Wait, so let me ask you this. Like, how do you engage, if at all?
1: Um, I tried to be in that particular instance pretty calm, and I was like, hey, like, actually, no, like, not at all. Like, here's Biden's platform. Like, here's a bunch of screenshots. And, like, here's this, here's that. And, like then this person was like what about voter disenfranchisement like people who can't vote and I was like yeah I'm very aware of that like I went to I I actually like did like a semester long project on voter disenfranchisement and wrote like this really long paper that actually helped to correct the voting practices of the (gasps) the county that I went to college in so like yes
0: queen
1: yeah so I was just honestly I was like (sighs) I was like I don't want to hear it is basically what I said
0: (laughs) right yeah I mean I think that's Uh, I think it's a really hard thing because I don't know that there's necessarily like a right way to go about this in a way. Like, I mean, you wanted us to be like, fuck you, you dumb idiot. Like read the news. But like, we all know that's not like going to get us where we need to go. And like, the unfortunate reality here is that we really have to be tactful about how we have these conversations because we need them to be effective.
1: But then it's like,
0: I don't want to spend my fucking free time, like, trying to talk this person down on social media. Like, I have other things to do. Like, I low-key do that for a living, Um, you know? (laughs) like
1: (laughs) You absolutely do, girl, and we will get to that. But what I was going to say here, especially when it comes to engaging with these people, is I feel that I have definitely had some conversations on the internet that I've been, like, coming in hot you know, and, like, been, like, fuck you and, like, got a bad response. And then I've also had conversations where I tried to be very patient and explain these very simple concepts and, like, still got a bad response. So I just feel discouraged sometimes. And I also, yeah, I guess that's what I was – I just feel discouraged, you know. And, like, ultimately, like, I kind of feel – this is maybe a hot take, but I kind of feel that we have lived through this past four years – and regardless of your higher education level, you do have presumably in this country access to the internet. So you know what's going on somewhat. So like you said, at the end of the day, like, do I really want to spend my time educating these people on these concepts that they could very easily, like, do their own research on and, like, then just fuck right off, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh. No. I think that's lazy. I think it's lazy to not care or you know to not like be willing to put in the effort even though it sucks like you think things are just way too important right now like I honestly yeah. think that we all need to be like volunteering and donating and having these hard conversations with like the you know nooks and crannies of our family members and friends and like weird instagram followings and just yeah. do it you know it's just like too important
1: Totally. I I agree. And I've, I've been, I, yeah, I've been continuously trying. I'm, I'm trying to figure out the rhetoric that reaches people, you know? Yeah. I actually had one really good Facebook argument, which is, it sounds like that would be an oxymoron, but it was, it was a good Facebook argument with like a conservative dad. So I was already like, fuck, I'm going to lose or not like lose, but I'm just going to like, he's just going (laughs) to not, You know what I mean? I was like, why? It's not going to be as productive as he wanted to be. But picture this. I'm three glasses in and I'm like, I'm just going to go for it, you know? Right. Right. So then we just ended up going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And guess what he said? He said, I think I agree. Wow! And I was like, write it down. It's fucking historic. No one, I've never, no one's ever won a fight with a Trumpy Facebook dad before. I'm the first. (laughs)
0: congratulations gold star for you yeah yeah nice that feels really good that feels really really good
1: but I also think that maybe that's just because he's just like not well informed you know and like okay like this is a deeper question but do you feel that Trump supporters on the whole this election cycle are ill-informed or do you feel that they're like malevolent or like both? Um,
0: huh. I mean, I think empathy is a big issue here. I think that it's really easy for us, and honestly, like our capitalist society makes it pretty easy for us to all go about our daily lives largely concerned with our own well-being, um, more so than anything else. Um, and like, I mean, I think the pandemic is a really good example of that. Like we could have been done with this long ago if people mm-hmm. had just like, you know, put on their mask and realized that in order for my mask to be effective, you also have to be wearing a mask or we all just have to like, stay home, excuse me, for like a while, you know, but like, You have to resist the temptation to, like, let, to do what, like, I'm in Texas. So our government, like, opened up way um, before it probably should. It's still way more open than California currently is. I mean, San Francisco and L.A. or even, you know, going beyond what Newsom's allowing for. And I'm in Austin, so we've got a little bit more of a sensible local government than our state government. But either way, like, if your government is opening up up in a way that doesn't abide by CDC guidelines like you have to just like take one for the team, stay home, put on your mask, like don't yeah. go to any freaking like rager parties that I'm being invited to all the time on Hinge, you know, as much as I would <laughs> love to do that, like yeah. you take one for the team and it has to do with empathy. It has to do with like you acknowledging that there are people out there, i.e., you know, people of color People of lower socioeconomic status, unhoused people, the elderly, the diabetic, the overweight, like, you know, on and on and on, like these people are at a higher risk than you are, and you are putting their lives in jeopardy when you don't ignore, you know, when you don't take that into account. And I think this is, we have gotten ourselves into a very indicative situation of the larger situation as a whole, when we just like don't really you know, to put other people's health, other people's needs, other people's priorities into the ring at all. And I I just think that, I just think that honestly, the the Trump supporters that I see on the news and the Trump supporters that I know, and, you know, have, I I think it's honestly kind of just being like, well, it makes my taxes higher. Like illegal aliens are illegal aliens and not like literal immigrants who are just humans like the rest of us trying to just like live our lives in a safe and healthy, healthy environment. Like, you know, name, name your Trump issue and I, or, you know, ballot issue. Um, and look at, look at the Trump perspective. I think they all kind of boil down to just like being bereft of of the level of empathy that you would hope all of us have. And honestly, I think, I think compassion in education aren't necessarily mutually exclusive i think education is a big part of it i think it's about also about the circles you run in i mean it's complicated i don't i don't want to be like the videos you see on the internet that are hilarious that are just like going around and asking stupid questions to trump supporters and like watch them have actually no idea what they are talking about i mean it's funny but it's like low hanging fruit, and it's also kind of sad,
1: yeah, I hear that, and i think I think you're right. I mean, I think it is a combination, you know, like let's take immigration, like for instance, you know, first of all, there's the first misconception, which is like, oh, like uh, people are coming into this country and like taking our jobs, right. right? so much to unpack there about what kinds of jobs um, undocumented Brown people typically get here in America, but I'll give you a hint. Uh, It's not people that you, you work with in your office. You know, they're not, Mm -hmm. they're not taking these middle-class jobs or these high paying jobs that Americans want, you know, like that's Mm -hmm. a false American dream narrative, but Mm -hmm. I'm not even going to go too far into that. But then you get to the second misconception, which is like, just come here legally. Like I did. Okay. First of all, like, when like let's just say like take me for example like on my dad's side uh, like my dad's side is just white people that have been here forever right so like my dad's ancestors probably came over from like England or Scotland or whatever like I don't even know because I've never 23 and made myself um but they came here and they went like passed through Ellis Island and like the whole immigration process was that they got like a TB test maybe and they wrote their name on a piece of paper and that was that yeah so like you look at that compared to like what the immigra- immigration process is like now, like you can be in the immigration process if you choose to do it legally for like 11 12 years, yeah, and it costs money.
0: Well, I mean, it honestly, immigration, it's honestly hard for me to talk about because it frankly just makes me really sad. Um, but I mean, it's crazy. Like, you can enter at a point of legal entry, um, you know, well, I mean, policies have changed since the family separation border crisis. But, like, entering for, like, when that all that shit was going down a couple years ago, like, most of the detainees that were being separated from their kids were literally trying to enter the border at a point of legal entry and then getting, separ- you know, then, like, yeah. getting detained Literally, while they were being processed, and when you're detained, you can't you can't d- be detained with your kids. Like you can't technically arrest a child for doing something that's actually like legally allowed um, and also like protected under like the UN like human rights codes. So I yep. mean, then like literally just like losing thousands of children in the process. So messed up. It's so messed up and so sickening. That Shit's still happening. I mean, they say that they're only going after, um, like immigrants who have like arrest warrants out, but like that's also not really a thing or totally true. I mean, they call them collaterals, which is like weird. I speak, um, but yeah, like, literally, is this,
1: did you watch the documentary, the Netflix? I, documentary? Yep.
0: I did not watch the documentary, the Daily was talking about it today. Um, so I heard like bits and pieces of it. Did you right. watch all of that? Six yeah. That's, that's,
1: I was about the, Oh my
0: gosh, bro.
1: Full disclosure. I watched one episode and my boyfriend cried and we just never, we never kept going. I was like, I, I was like, I feel like I already, I'm sure I don't know all of this stuff, but I feel like I know it like from reading and for some reason, like reading articles to me and not that it doesn't make me sad because it does but like seeing it like like a documentary about it like that I just I couldn't you know yeah like one episode I was like that's enough like they they follow like two dads who come across the border with their with their babies and get separated and they like they film all that and it's just yeah it was like too much for me
0: yeah I know I honestly yeah I it's it's literally so sad. I was working at Texas Monthly. Um uh when this was all happening um and it was crazy because it was going on in your backyard and like literally like week 1 for me they were setting me up with interviews with like DHS and Immigration and Customs Um, Just because they, like, needed people to, like, be – it was, like, all hands on deck situation. Yeah. Um, And it, like – I mean, I feel like I have a unique understanding of it. Um, It also gave me a a unique understanding or, like, appreciation for journalism's ability to influence policy. Because, like, that summer it was, like, everyone was just, like, reporting on it so heavily – And, you know, by the end of the summer, they were like, "Okay, we're going to lean away from doing what we're doing now. We like acknowledge our fault. So that was cool. And I do I do credit um, both the media and all of the activists that are are fighting really hard to get what's right. But, yeah, it's I mean, it's truly disgusting. It makes my stomach turn. I mean, we're literally putting people in cages. COVID is a whole other situation. I mean, those like literally immigration detention centers are going are, are like. Some of the highest hit, you know, most intense clusters in the entire US. I mean, honestly, like people are killing themselves in the detention centers because it's just so bad and they just like don't think that they're, you know, it's either a slow, painful death or um, you know, them choosing to do it on their own. It's just like really it's it's all it's all really, really, really horrible. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so, I guess my, yeah, to circle back, like, my thing is, like, if that's not horrible enough for you to just suck it up and vote for Joe Biden, just, like, delete me. Never talk to me again, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, or, I mean, have a conversation with me if you have any questions. Like, I'm trying, I'm really trying to not ridicule people and to offer, you know, these conversations to be had and to understand that you are you know, a product of where you've been standing, and how you were raised, and, you know, the experiences you've had, and I think that, like, we all really just have to, like, try and be understanding, and, you know, also have cool, common, collected conversations about, like, why you see see things the way that you're seeing them, and, like, how we can help you, like, bring you to light, you know, and, like, take you to the polls, and to, like, understand, you know, like, Biden was not going to fuck us over. I really don't think so. At least not as bad as Trump.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think that at the very least, like, he might just be, like, kind of boring and, like, nothing really happened.
0: Right, but at least we're not, like, digging ourselves in our own grave for another four years. Like,
1: right, like, I don't see kids in cages at the border as, like, part of his campaign strap, you know? Like, that's just not, not that ain't him. Yeah, I know. So I know. Here's, here's the thing: like, how do we get millennials and Gen Z and Gen Zennials, of which we are, like, how do we get them excited about Joe Biden? Huh?
0: Excellent question. Um, because
1: personally. I'm not excited, but I'm definitely voting and might campaign for him or might, like, you know, knock on doors for him or whatever. Just be out of, like, fear of Trump, basically.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I have the right answer to that. Like, it's literally so <sighs> – I don't know, man. I mean, I saw a really funny Instagram ad for from him today of him, like, literally driving in his convertible, like, wearing Ray-Bans, like, trying to look – cool oh my god um, I, I know that that's I'm like,
1: the fact that like this is why europeans think that american politics is a fucking circus because it is like joe biden's like trotting out his whole family who like clearly actually love him and have a relationship with him and then trump is like trying to get like the military to like endorse him and shit And the military are like no dude like we don't we don't even fucking like you like it's just it's hilarious really but it's also deeply sad yeah.
0: Yeah. High key. I mean, I think that we just have to, I mean, we have to tell our friends. I think we have to not be shy about it. Like, I know you don't like Biden and he's not your first choice. And I mean, honestly, like saying he was very far from my first choice. Um, the only one behind him was, well, I mean, okay. Tulsi Gabbard, Marianne Williamson, Bloomberg, then there we go. Well, uh, maybe Yang. I don't know um
1: I think but, for me, Yang is like one in front of Biden, and Bloomberg and Gabbard are definitely behind.
0: I mean, yeah. I just think that, like, I honestly, I'm kind of of the opinion that, like, you should have some political experience to run for office, especially president. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think sure that's a dr- really dangerous precedent of that, like, not being like a requirement. But I'm like, bro it's a requirement you're running for president you're not running oh, for yeah. like city council like I just think it's kind of I, and that was so upsetting to me when Trump won That I like I have a hard time rallying with the Yang gangers you know when totally, like totally. this dude is kind of just like the
1: leftist version of him um yeah
0: but anyhow. yeah Interesting.
1: <laughs> okay cool yeah 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 totally I'd never had passionate feelings about Yang I think I would be very <laughs> lukewarm if he was our nominee sure glad he ain't though
0: I mean he seems smart enough, but
1: anyways.
0: Yeah. yeah I just yeah, think yeah. that like I think that the like hold your nose and vote for him isn't really going to be the right approach to get young people excited. I think maybe, you know, I think we should try and generate some genuine excitement and I think we should look at the policies that he's advocating for that are really cool and think about the really smart cabinet he's gonna hire. You know, and how totally. he'll probably
1: have Warren on it.
0: And he'll probably have some other smart progressive well, people AOC, you know be
1: all over that are you kidding me thanks girl I mean, uh,
0: yeah i mean i think aoc is needed in um, uh, congress but i think i mean i hope that she'll i don't know i thought it was kind of weird that she endorsed biden at the dnc but oh
1: you um, endorsed bernie at the dnc or
0: yeah that she endorsed bernie at the dnc well she would have to
1: you read that whole thing about it right
0: no i actually didn't i kind of didn't understand
1: um let me butcher slash summarize for you So the DNC always has like two nominations that they do. And so they literally asked her, they were like, hey, like AOC, will you nominate Sanders? So then like no one can second the nomination, basically. Mm. And so she was like, yeah. And then everyone was like, AOC, why'd you do that? And she's like, they literally asked me to you guys. Oh,
0: got it. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, I think.
1: I'm sure that there is a more in depth explanation of that. I am just stupid and read a lot of news. So it's like kind of buried under some stuff in my brain. Right,
0: right. Yeah, totally. Well, yeah, anyways. Um, yeah, I think we should just try and get excited about what's happening that is progressive. I think we should get know? excited about
1: Trump not being our president. Like, we I don't should, think, yeah, I think we need to be excited about that. And like, maybe oh. I agree. Like, I, I love your optimism. And I think that we do need to be excited about Biden. But I I want to be excited about no Trump.
0: <laughs> I mean, honestly, a Trump-less world. Like, could you imagine?
1: Like, wow. I sure can. I also am really... What what is he gonna do like if he doesn't you know like he's done in New York like he can't even go out for dinner in New York anymore like he, it's just not gonna happen
0: so yeah. is he gonna go
1: like live on like a fat compound in Florida and never leave his house and furthermore do you think Melania is gonna divorce him
0: <laughs> excellent question I really don't know. I'm kind of afraid that he's going to, like, wage war against the American people if he loses because he's not going to accept the truth, you know? And that really scares me. Um, what do you think so that would look like? Be? I mean, I think it could get violent. I think he has a lot of people who, like, are will actually, like, really die by his side. And we'll stand up for him and fight for him and our gun owners. So, I mean, I don't want to be an alarmist, but I don't think that this is going to be an easy November.
1: Well, babe, you can always
0: come chill in our house
1: (laughs) in San Francisco because it'll probably be fine here. Thank you. So Um, what is – tell me more about, like, the political climate in Texas right now because you live in Austin, obviously, and that is a liberal little bubble in the midst of a Red Sea, my dear –
0: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I feel like I don't have the same read on the city as I usually would because I'm kind of hanging tight and only seeing a couple of people. But I will say this summer I've spent pretty much every night, um, you know, with my roommate, just talking things over and having really great hard conversations about where we are, you know, and it's felt really productive and really cathartic. Um, So I've been grateful for that. Totally. Uh, in terms of the rest of the city, I mean, we've had some great protests. We just defunded our police by, um, over a hundred million dollars, which is really awesome.
1: Absolutely um, sexy.
0: and I mean, who's to say, I think Texas is, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if Texas is going to be anywhere near blue. Um, but I hope. It would be really cool. It would be a huge deal if we could win Texas, but I think that might be overly optimistic. But what's frankly, the deal we might have like, a
1: shot. What's the deal with Dallas and Houston?
0: Um, Houston is all. Uh, Houston is much bluer than Dallas. Houston is almost blue, but you know what? I'm, I'm hesitant to say for sure, but it's definitely, I mean, Houston is the most diverse city in America. So it has, um, you know, it has that going for it. Um, and yeah, I think it's a little bit more on the liberal side. Dallas is still red, but, um, you know, our urban centers are getting a lot, a lot more blue in Texas and our rural areas are shrinking. Um, so do you
1: think that has to do with like, People like me who are like from big cities, being like, "Fuck this! I can't afford it," and then moving to places like that. Oh yeah, definitely one
0: hundred percent.
1: That's an interesting aspect to gentrification for sure.
0: Oh, I know it is. I mean, it will work politically in our favor, but it also has comes with its issues, you know. Right,
1: like you know that saying where it's like now there's more Black Lives Matter signs than there are Black people. Yeah, (laughs) like mm, is that true? Well, I mean, not like in spec- – I, I don't think that that's like about a specific city. <laughs> Although right. there's there certainly – I would make a very strong case that there are many neighborhoods in Brooklyn where right. there are definitely more Black Lives Matter signs than Black people. Like, you know, that that Instagram video that went around of like the Black Lives Matter protesters chanting Black people used to live here. When like, right. white people like sitting on the sidewalk eating brunch in like Williamsburg or whatever. Right. That – <laughs> made my blood boil too because I think I see a lot of people sharing stuff like all over social media about all these different issues that like are from suburban New Jersey and mm-hmm. now live in like bed or whatever you know right. and it's like it's like I'm glad that those people are like <sighs> having like a modicum of like activism or whatever like they have their hearts in the right place but like change isn't it like think globally act locally like come on you know like really like you're gonna like vote for all the quote-unquote right people but you're gonna like live in like a four thousand dollar two-bedroom apartment yeah
0: I mean it yeah I honestly well said I don't know what I can add to that (laughs) I mean mean, do you
1: guys have like that type of like what's the Austin like seen with like young people and gentrification like and other than like the urban centers getting like bigger and bluer i
0: mean it's interesting like i live on the east side which is definitely like a historically black area and is where you know most black people in austin live but it's like becoming more and more gentrified and you know you see i mean i i've justified living where i live like I, i think that i live mostly in like a college pocket Um, and I also live in a very affordable apartment that doesn't really feel like it's being gentrified. Um, but I also acknowledge that I am like kind of taking a spot that could potentially go, um, to someone else, you know, that might, so I don't know. I don't know. It's really, it's really weird, but yeah, I mean. I pay $600 a month for my place. So it's kind of... <laughs> <laughs> it's not that I, yeah, it's wild. It is crazy. Um, but, you know, in different areas of East Austin, like, people are totally paying um, three times that for a fancy place in an area that's really, you know... But, I mean, I don't think that's... I don't think that's that profound. I think, unfortunately, most cities, you know, have a similar story. And it's just totally. weird. And we just can... I don't know. Try and try and be aware. Try not to move into spaces that you're not wanted, or you're taking up a spot that could go to someone else who's more deserving of that space. Um, yeah, and to yeah. be an ally, like I think we know now more than ever, like the importance of allyship, especially white allyship. I mean, white people just have to start doing better.
1: <laughs> you said it. <laughs> I this I think about this a lot too because I'm from San Francisco. I grew up in the hate. I went to high school in the hate. Uh, Uh I when I left for college, my dad was essentially gentrified out of our place and moved to Colorado for a little while, moved back and then lived in a one-bedroom apartment. So like we, I didn't have like you know like a childhood house or like whatever. So right, I kind of had to find my own place after that, you know. Right. So, yeah. and now I live in Chinatown, which is, <laughs> here's what I'll say. San Francisco is seven by seven. It's a really small city. So there's already not that much real estate to choose from. Right. Um, that being said, though, Chinatown, obviously, a historically Chinese and Japanese and Korean primarily neighborhood. So, like, yeah, like, am I gentrifying this spot? I mean, I'm, like, 10 minutes from my old high school. I don't know, you know.
0: Yeah, that's so I'm I mean, I am too. I'm 10 way. minutes from my old high school. But yeah. I mean, we all know all cities are, are, you know, they have neighborhoods are small and they run deep and like their borders yeah. aren't that big, you know, far right, apart, like this, so.
1: I'm a teacher, you know, like I, I don't I didn't move here from like Iowa or whatever to like work at Salesforce. So it's like, this is what <laughs> I can afford, you know, and that's the yeah. thing. Like, I just, yeah, it's really hard to reconcile. Maybe I'm like one of these people that I'm like, talking hypocrisy about you know yeah
0: it's so hard but i think like self-awareness is important um we're all struggling young people but i think that we do have to be aware of our space and um who came before us and how we can be respectful of it yeah, yeah. Oh wow.
1: so so like let's drop up quick like Regarding the election, like, how do we feel like coronavirus is changing the voting landscape? And what can we do to, like, slay the vote anyway? Uh,
0: Well, I think that, um, like, these Woodward tapes are really interesting because, I mean... Some polls are showing that Trump's taking a hit because he admitted to knowing how deadly and horrible this virus was yet chose to like quote, play it down anyways. So that's (laughs) pretty glaring. He's like
1: Antifa's coming to like, (laughs) rape your wife and take your house. But this virus it's chill. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Right. I mean, I don't know, man. So I'm really hoping that his ignorance and kind of just like maniacal nature will really shine as these tapes start to become released. Um, so so that's one thing. And two, like, I mean, like Kamala and Joe are really leading by example and like wearing masks for their interviews and like, you know, demonstrating safe social distancing and like how to be smart about this and honestly are kind of making me feel they're, they're helping me rest assured that when, you know, they get in office, things will be different and that situations of this nature will be handled more responsibly. And like, all I can say is that I hope people really understand that we're as in, as deep as we are now, strictly because of legislative flaws. Well, and because yeah. people aren't acting for the good of the pack. But I, I mean, we, huge. we could have legislated our way out of this, yet we did not. Totally. Um, and I also,
1: I think that like people blaming like individual civilians for their action, whether it's like going to a bar or getting a haircut or whatever, like, Okay, like, the government allowed them to go to those bars or get those haircuts. Like, we're not, like, the people with all the science and the data and everything were like, nah, it'll probably be fine. You know what I mean? Like, this is not, it's somewhat on us as the populace, but you're right. Like, it's very much, like, could have been under control.
0: Yeah, I know. So, I mean, I just think that when you open something up, the people are going to go. And so I just don't think that we can be trusted to like do that. And so honestly, yeah, I mean, I just hope this has been the learning lesson that people need. Um, I hope that we get this under control. Obviously lives are on the line here and um, I hope people show up to vote. I also hope that they're given a safe option for voting if they don't feel comfortable voting in person, but
1: that is a different
0: um to be had
1: i fully requested (laughs) my mail-in ballot not because i'm not comfortable going to the polls since i already am an essential worker and i work outside the home but just because i wanted to i wanted to like sit at home and vote and pop it in the mail it's kind of cute
0: right of course and give like a big middle fingers up to the trump administration who's trying to like squash that
1: Yeah. I love the USPS and I love voting. So fuck it.
0: I know. Right.
1: So any final (laughs) remarks on this topic, I have one final thing to say, which is I think that there is an amazing app that is called vote with me. Everyone should download it. And it tells you like who has voted in your contact list. And it tells you if they're registered as a Democrat or a Republican. That's very cool. It's creepy. It's creepy. It's creepy. <laughs> but this is all public domain. You can find this shit anyway. Like, you can find right. people's voting records. So it's not that big of a deal. But it's fun because you can have interesting conversations. You can be like, hey, this person that I know, like, wow. I like, you didn't vote in 2016. So what's going on? Like, let's talk. Like, do you want me to help you register?
0: I am blown away. That is such a great tool. I will be downloading it ASAP. Definitely creepy, but also very useful. Thank Times you for that pro tip.
1: Text everyone that you've slept with in the last five years, even if you haven't heard from them since that night, and be like, hey Sarah. Long time no talk. I heard you moved. Make sure you update your voter registration. (laughs) I love it. Oh my gosh. Okay, Liv, thanks
0: so much for doing this.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for your like general intelligence and sense of fun and optimism. I appreciate your spirit because it's very easy to be like, fuck this.
0: I appreciate you. We got this.
1: We got this. Got a boat. Okay. Bye. Bye. Babe. Bye, sister. Love you. Love you.